Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. We have been looking at putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And as we've been looking at this, we've, been, we've seen how, you know, the Lord has not left us helpless. He has not asked us to do something and not given us the ability to do it. And we know that 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we have everything we need in order to walk this walk, in order to outwork the things which the Lord has placed before us. And this is exactly what um, the Apostle Paul has been encouraging us to do as we've been going through um, the first three chapters of, um, of Ephesians. You know, he's been telling us to know what we believe and why we believe it. And then in the next three chapters, you know, how do we outwork the things we know now? And so he says in um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And so we see here in the text that this is something which needs to be done internally, inwardly. There needs to be that change inside so, it, so that it's evidenced outside. And then in verse 19 of chapter 3, it says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so, as we understand that we are strengthened within the inner man, we are to recognize also that we have all the fullness of God at our disposal. And this doesn't always seem like it's the case as we go for our daily lives. We don't always seem like we have, you know, the fullness of God at our disposal. When we fall short, you know, we think to, we think to ourselves, oh Lord, you know, how could I fail you? And the Lord doesn't want us to stay in that position. He wants us to, you know, find restoration. And he wants us to get into that place where we are imitators of God. Because that's what the word verse says in, in chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Acting as God would have us act in any given situation. And then the apostle goes on to say, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And we looked at the whole fact that when we fall short, when we sin, you know, in a, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. And instead of the Holy Spirit desiring to want us to make us more into the, the, the Lord's image and likeness, now he has to go through that process of restoration. He has to bring us to that point where we are repentant, that we confess our sin. And then that starts the process again. And so, 
It only hinders our walk, and we've considered that if it's hindering our walk, then it hinders the body as well. Because if we're hindered in our work, then we're not much use to the body, to the local body. And so we're not to hinder the Holy Spirit, but rather, you know, we have to be filled. Again, this, this whole idea of being filled. We're empty vessels, and we need to seek to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And we looked at last week how the evidence of being filled with God's Spirit is can manifest itself in speaking in tongues, in giving words of knowledge, in prophesying. It can, but, you know, we looked at how it's, it's um, you know, sharing psalms and hymns with each other and, and having a new song in your heart and making melody unto the Lord. Having joy. You know, that's just as much evidence that the Spirit of God is working in, in your life than, than manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. And... You know, Colossians 3.16 also says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we see that there's that, that obvious relationship to having the word of God dwelling in us richly. How can you share a psalm if you're not in the psalms? You know, and we, we considered how, you know, it spoke, spoke of us being prepared as we come together corporately. You know, um, Phil mentioned it was his first time um, sharing communion. Now, do we think that he just woke up this morning and thought, oh, yeah, well, bish, bash, bosh, I'll just share that. I bet he's been sweating. <laughs> you know, he prepared to come in to share something. You know, when the worship team are here before us each Sunday, you know, they don't just gather on the Sunday think, oh yeah, we'll do that song and this song and that. They actually prepare. They seek the Lord. And you know what? The idea is really that as we gather together, we should be prepared. We should prepare our hearts that we're able to minister to each other. Minister each other with God's word. Minister each other in song with, with, you know, with prayer. Minister to each other. But sadly to say is that, you know, we're all guilty of it, is that we, we basically park the car and run in and we're halfway through worship. And before we can sort of like get focused on the Lord, worship's finished. And then, and then it's like, oh, there's a break. And then it's all about getting water or whatever. And then it's like you've missed the time where we're meant to be focused under prayer and now we're under God's word. We're not prepared. You know, the first service starts at... So, that, so really, technically, it's not for you to get here at 11 o'clock. If you're here at 10.30, ooh, are you on time? I mean, you're not really, you're, you're maybe late because you, have you prepared yourself before you got here for 10.30? And so it's that whole idea of preparing ourselves. And, you know, Paul has been mentioning all these things about being strengthened in the inner man. It's like being filled with the spirit to know that you've got the fullness of God. Because it's like, look, it's like the catalyst. It's like the fuel to help you to realize and recognize that you can do all that God has asked you to do. But if you're not holding on to the fuel, if you're not 
We're, most of us are drivers. If you don't put petrol in that car, it's not getting anywhere. It still has an engine, it still has a clutch, you know, it has all the, the components in order to make it go, but it hasn't got fuel. So we need to come here with that fuel, if that's a good analogy. So it's the catalyst. And we need to do this individually. And as we do it individually, it has that corporate effect. And so trying to establish these things, you know, Paul's now going to sort of like change his focus a bit. And he's going to start, he's now going to start looking at the things which establish this new society which God is trying to build where there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither male nor female, you know. He's trying to establish, you know, what is God's kingdom really based upon? You know, he's been saying, act differently to the world. You know, have a different mindset. Imitate God. And now what he's going to do is, is, he's going to try and give us the building blocks on how to start outworking this out amongst us. And so, if many of you have read on and thought, yeah, today we're going to be talking about wives submitting to their husbands. Is that the other crowd? (laughs) Well, the next... (laughs) Well, that does come up in the text, I'll just have you know. But um, before we get there, now what I want to do is just back up to verse 17 and then read to verse 21, and then see what the Lord would have to say to us there, yeah? Amen. Verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's key, because we mentioned last week that we have to individually know, exactly, Lord, why have you called me? What have you apprehended me for? What is, you know, your will for my life? We have to investigate that and search that and ask the Lord that, those questions. But even within that, what is the will of the Lord in terms of how we function amongst each other? What is his will? How are we meant to function with each other? And please hold that thought in your mind. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So after highlighting all these negatives for positives, the apostle turns his attention to exactly what establishes the building blocks and the structure within God's new society. And what he is about to start speaking about is the need for stable relationships. Stable relationships that are, again, established on the framework of God's word. Stable relationships which are open to the filling and empowering of the Spirit. And stable relationships that recognizes their position and their role. And so before Paul 
addresses the need for a stable family unit made up of husband, wife, and children, he prefixes all that he is about to say with verse 21, which is, is a transitional verse, because what verse 21 actually does is it connects um, verses 17 to 20 with being filled with the Holy Spirit with the next three paragraphs from verse 22 of chapter 5 through to chapter 6, verse 9. And so, in order to create stable relationships, in the next three paragraphs, Paul places the emphasis on submission. So, Wives are addressed before husbands and told to submit to their husbands. Children are mentioned before parents and are told to obey. And slaves are mentioned before their masters and told to be obedient to their masters. And as we look at this, in context with verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord, if husbands... And wives are submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. If children are submitting to their parents in the fear of the Lord. If employees and employers are submitting to each other in the fear of the Lord. Then technically this should provide the basis for establishing God's new society. And so... The challenge is to live in this way. The challenge is that we have to develop this attitude and this mindset of submitting one to another in the fear of God. And as he says, submit, submitting one to, to another in the fear of God, that covers everyone. So whether you're male or female, whether you're married or single, if you're a parent or if you're a child, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're an employee or an employer, whether you're a student or a teacher, it covers you. It covers me. That we are to submit to one another in the fear of God. And this is exactly what God expects from us. It isn't one of these casuals and you know what, it'll be good if you so happen to just submit to each other. It says submitting to one another in the fear of God because it is again evidence that the Lord is really working in your life. And as we consider these things, we have to recognize that there is a difference between the person and the roles they occupy. So we're sub submitting to each other in the fear of God, but we have to recognize that we are individual people and we have individual roles. For example, I am Patrick. Hello, everyone. I am a man. 
I am a husband and I am a father. But I'm also a son and I'm a leader and a manager. And within all of these functions, God has given me a responsibility to serve, to be submissive in one capacity or another. So, as a man, I have a responsibility before God. As a husband, I have a responsibility before God. He's given me a specific role to do. As a father, I have a responsibility to raise up my children in the fear of the Lord. You know, we have different roles, but I'm still Patrick. Amen? And so, you can put yourselves into that same scenario, whoever you are. And my first responsibility is not to serve me. My first responsibility isn't to serve my wife or my children. My first responsibility is to serve God. And so God is saying here, submitting to one another in the fear of him. So if I fear him, this is something I need to take heed of. I need to listen to. I need to try and apply to my life. I need to find out how this outworks itself on a daily basis. So I have to have this mindset of being responsible, of serving and being submissive. And so when we look at this word submitting, it's not an offensive word, believe me. It's an interesting word. It's a very important word. And it comes from the Greek word hupotazo, which means to be under obedience, to be subordinate, or to obey. And it also carries the attitude of being humble. You know, all these things which the Lord seeks for those who call upon his name. To be humble. To be meek. To live a life of obedience unto the Lord. You know, the Father is seeking those who will, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So the Father, in a sense, is looking for that worship. But Christ is looking for obedience. Those who will obey his word. And this word, hupotezo, you know, it has been described as a humble recognition of the divine ordering of society. And at the end of the day, God is the one who placed order. He is a God of order. He is the one who said, well, these are how the specific functions or roles are meant to be outworked. And the fact is, we have to accept his order. We may not like it. But we have to accept it. Not picking on the ladies, but Adam was created first. 
I don't know why, ouch, because Adam was incomplete. And so he needed a help me to make him whole. Ladies, that was your opportunity to say amen. No? I can see next week's going to be a difficult week. <laughs> That's the natural order of things. That's the order of things. But even so, God is a God of order, and we have to accept his order, and we are to submit one to another. And we, we're not to submit one to another because, you know, we think that our brother or our sister deserves it. You know, yeah, he's a good guy or she's a good girl. And it's, it's, it's okay to submit to them because they're cool. No, we submit to them because God is a God of order. And he says that we should submit to one another, in the, not because we deserve it, but in the fear of him. And so there may be wives here today thinking, you know, I don't want to submit to him because he doesn't deserve it. Well, that's not the issue. Really, the issue is, does he love the Lord? And if he loves the Lord, you should submit to him. Now, when I use the word submit, it doesn't mean being a doormat. That it's like, you know, and it doesn't mean because a man, in the order of things, that a man is meant to just use his position and lord over his wife. No. It's about order and not superiority. That's exactly what it is. It's about functioning in a role because that's how God has designed it. And as a man is empowered to function in his role, and a woman is empowered to function in her role, it should be a beautiful balance and a beautiful picture of what God intended marriage to be. The difficulty is, though, is that men, they don't come up to the plate. They don't function how they should function, giving clear leadership. And we have women who try to usurp authority. Not in a horrible way, but, you know, it just tips the balance. And again, you know, specifically talking about marriages, but the key is to work out how to empower each other to be what God has intended you to be. That is the key. So ladies, you may be someone who has, a, who has better ideas than your husband. But you know what? It would be better if you empowered him. And you know how because you know how he functions. I can't tell you from the front. But to empower him and build him up. Come alongside and be a helpmeet to build him up so that he can function within that role. That is the key. And so, you know, as, as Paul is saying here, you know, wives are to, to submit to husbands. Children are to submit and obey their parents. You know, employees are to submit and obey their employers because it is the right order. It is God's order. And this is how God views things. And, you know, even trying to just 
deliver this message today. It's like, it's challenging and it's hard to get your head around. And, and even, you know, saying some of these things, you know, I'm thinking, oh, treading on eggshells because I don't want to offend anyone. Don't want all the women to come up to me afterwards and say, oh, no, 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 you submit. I'm not submitting. Or well, even the guys that say, what, you want me to rise up? I don't even have to do that, mate. But look, this is God's order. And this is what he wants us to do. And so we look at these things, you know, challenging things. And I said submission is, is, is a good word. It's not a bad word. When you hear submission, it's not a bad word. And I said to the earlier guys, showing my age, who remembers of Worlds of Sport? Giant, Haystacks, and Big Daddy. Yeah, yeah, can I get an amen? Yeah. All right. And they used to have those moves, um, the Boston Crab and uh, the full Nelson in the wrestling. And when somebody got, got another guy in the lock, and it's like you'd, you'd see them tap on the mat. And they submit. I submit. And in my mind, when I think of submitting, I'm thinking of Big Daddy. Big Daddy was one of the hench guy. Huge. And he used to have this white sort of like leotardy thing. He looked weird, but... <laughs> he, he was the original spandex king, yes. <laughs> but, you know, you think of submitting and it, it just, you know, it just brings up these thoughts in your mind of, of being less than. That you're weak. That you've been degraded in some way or another. You know, it's not considered in a positive light. But in God's word, in God's light, it's, it's positive. You know, it's not considered in a positive light, especially in our, you know, modern, liberated Western society. You know, I think it's actually interesting that you know, 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years, that, the, that God would inspire by his Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, to highlight these things, specifically regarding women, children, and workers. You know, especially when we see that um, things like, you know, the women's liberation movement, which obviously had its positive aspects to it, but it has its negative aspects too. When we think of, you know, children's rights, you know, and, and, and now, you know, if, if, if a parent <laughs> decides to discipline their child, it's like they're going to take them to child line or, you know, they're going to report them to social services. I mean, how warped is that? You know, to know that workers, you know, and I believe in workers' rights and everything, but, you know, the fact that, you know, I don't know what your biblical stance is in striking and things like that, but, you know, workers' rights, you know, being unbalanced to a degree. You know, and Paul would, Paul would mention these things to say that, you know, as a believer, as a Christian, you're meant to have um, a, a specific attitude towards these things. You know, you're not like the world. You know, the world may feel like it's moved on, but you know what? You stick in God's word. 
And as I said before, most of us don't like the feeling of being subordinate in any way. We don't like being told what to do. And we don't like feeling that we are somehow less than or degraded. So as I said, submission in our modern culture is frowned upon because it's, it's not the common view. And even amongst Christians, it's frowned upon. You know, because when we become Christians, it's like somehow, it, you know, yeah, we believe in God's word and everything, but we try and bring a little bit of that kind of like modern thinking in with us as well. And it's, and it's like, yeah, God's word says, but. No, there's no but. God's word says. And if you're a believer, name the name, name the name of the Lord, then submit to one another in the fear of him. And let his word be true and you be the liar. And so we have this, this concept within modern culture, within modern society, that, yeah, things have moved on, we've, we've elevated, and the world's a different place now. And the thought that someone or anyone would willingly put themselves under submission to another, it's like an alien concept. What are you talking about? That's not for now. But as I said, that may be the world's view, but that's not God's view. Because the world may change its view every five minutes, but God remains consistent and the same. My Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And so, again, if he says in his word now that he wants us to be submissive to one another, that he wants us to serve one another, if he wants us to esteem our brothers or our sisters as being higher than ourselves, then that's what he expects from us. If he says that he wants us to be our brother's keeper, then that's what he expects from us. He doesn't want us to be fighting and bickering. And if we are fighting and bickering, he wants us to come to the blueprint of his word and, say, and look at the outline to say, well, this is how you make restoration with your brother or sister if you are, have ought with your brother or sister. Submitting one to another in the fear of God. Because if you're not doing it, you're not really fearing God. You know, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than him or herself. Beautiful. If only we could outlive it. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. You see, there's an attitude which is being communicated through the New Testament, through the scriptures, that God wants us to submit. He wants us to serve. He wants us to be there, to do things for, not for ourselves, but for, for somebody else, for our brothers, our sisters. And this is exactly what 
Paul is saying here in Ephesians verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Because this expresses the idea of meekness and humility amongst God's family. And we do it, as I've been trying to communicate, because we fear him. Not that we're so scared we're quaking at the knees, but we fear him because we love him. Lord, I don't have to do this, but because I love you, I want to do this. You see the shift? And Paul's been encouraging us through this epistle, you know, to do these things. And he says that we've got everything at our disposal to do it. And we know that the Lord, again, is not asking us to do something that he has not done himself. Philippians chapter 2. You know, the Lord set the perfect example as he recognized that being under submission to the Father was not degrading in any way. But it placed him in a position of power. And this allowed Jesus to function exactly how the Father desired for him to function at that point of time in history. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says, Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus set the example. And could we read into this that if we humble ourselves and if we are obedient, Will the Lord raise us to, if he chooses to? And even if he doesn't choose to, praise his name. And if he does choose to, praise his name. You see, we look at this, and, and as we've been looking at if, in Ephesians, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So... At the name of Jesus, it's like, we're like, yeah, that's our Lord. That's our Savior. He's the one who done all this so I could be seated with him in heavenly places. And what he's asking us to do is humble yourself. Be obedient. Submit to one another in the fear of God. And you see, as we look at the scriptures, we, we know that that Jesus is equal with the Father. There's equality in the Godhead. But Jesus was prepared to submit himself to the need of you and me, to the need of mankind. I'm happy, Father, to submit myself, to come under you. I don't see it as being degraded in any way. 
So we have this picture of equality, responsibility, and submission, you know, working together. There's a beautiful harmony there. And it's this equality and responsibility and submission, working together, and within it, recognizing that God has given us all different roles and different functions. Different roles and different functions. Because you operate in a particular function, it doesn't make you better or worse than your brother or your sister. You're functioning in a role. That is what God's placed before you. You know, and Jesus didn't even, didn't just condescend in that way, but he, you know, in John 13, he, he demonstrated this to his disciples as well. You know, again, Jesus is God. He is a son. He is a leader. He's the head of the church. Different functions, different roles, but the same Lord. And he humbly submitted himself and served his disciples and washed their feet. And he says in John chapter 13, verse 14, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, so don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm, listen to what I'm saying to you. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. So now, if you know these things, if you recognize these things, if you understand these things, Blessed are you if you what? If you do them. It's the doing. We have to do something. Well, in this context, what do we have to do? We have to submit one to another. And for me, what I see is that as we submit to God, to submit to God in the fear of God, it's like you're getting this picture of the cross because we're submitting to God. Our life is submitted to God. And then as we're doing that, naturally, it should just flow out to our brothers and sisters. And so we see that picture of the cross there. So really, if we're not submitting ourselves one to another, is there a breakdown in you being in, in the fear of God, in your life having the fear of God? You can answer that question. But... This principle is repeated throughout the scriptures. Again, having a life of submission to the Father. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So that's not, you know, resist, you know, just try and fight the devil in your own strength. It's not saying that. He's saying, submit to God. How do we submit to God? We've been looking at, you know, being in his word, letting the water of his word wash over us, by being filled with his spirit, by being obedient to his word, by demonstrating that we have love and joy in our hearts and that we're demonstrating that to our brothers and our sisters. 
That's the evidence of submitting to God. And as we know that we're, our, our minds and our lives are just full with wanting to please God and, and, and serve the Lord, you know, resisting the devil, resisting temptation, resisting, you know, the internet channel or whatever it may be is a no-brainer. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, you've got to have that attitude like Joseph. When Potiphar's wife came and said, oh, Joseph... He ran. He didn't just walk casually away and say, oh, sis, you know what? We can't really get down like that. He ran. And his attitude wasn't, oh, you know what? How can I sin against Potiphar? Potiphar's my brethren. He's my master. And he's like, look how good he's been. His attitude wasn't that. His attitude was, how can I do this sinful thing against God? See? Right perspective. So being submissive, it's not a horrible word. Embrace it. Embrace the word. I'm getting all gooey with you now. Embrace it. Embrace that word. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's God's ordering, divine ordering. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. See, you know, we look at some governments and we think to yourself, you know, that's a really oppressive government. And, you know, they're off key. But somewhere along the line, God has ordained that those people are there for one reason or another. We may not understand it. We may not you know, comprehend it, but, you know, people that haven't just by chance got into government. God knows exactly what's going on on planet Earth. And he's saying that, you know what? Submit yourself to every ordinance of, the, of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king of supreme, or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. Because God has put governments in place to make sure there's order, to make sure that people, if they do wrong, they get punished for it. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And a nice interesting verse in verse 18 now. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. So what is that saying? You know, if, you're, if, you, if you are working and you've got a lovely boss, praise the Lord. It's good. But if you're working, you've got a boss, and they're off-key, and they're horrible, and it seems like they're out to get you, Praise the Lord for that as well. You know, at the end of the day, you may feel like you're in a position that you could do their job a lot better than what they can. But hear what? They're your boss. They are functioning in that role. And you have to submit to that. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, yeah, this is a call to the younger people now, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, same language, and be clothed, you know, putting on that garment, remember, with what? Humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, so this attitude again of being humble, being submissive, happy to take a back seat, happy to come under, happy to esteem my brother or my sisters higher than yourself. And the last verse I just want us to consider today, really, and it's a verse which, I don't know, just seemed to be hiding for a long time. But um, it's Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 which says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Why? For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So it's saying, you know, we have a responsibility to obey those who are over us. Why? Because you know what? They're responsible for you. Somewhere along the line, they're going to have to give an account to God for how they taught you. I'm going to have to give an account for the things I teach and preach from this pulpit. The word says, not, don't many of you want to be teachers, you know? Because you're going to incur a stricter punishment. And so he's saying, you know what? The least you lot can do is this. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So, you know what? Let them do so with joy and not with grief. Wouldn't that be good? If the, as believers, you know, and as leaders, we're never having to deal with, with the issues which, we all go, which people go through in life. But we're, we're always just singing, praise the Lord, hallelujah, because we're just saying, look what the Lord has done. Isn't it glorious? We're getting souls saved left, right, and center. Isn't it glorious that we come to church with each other prepared with a song in our heart? And we're saying, praise God, hallelujah, because it's joyous. But no, we get the grief. We get the oh me, oh my. And there's nothing wrong with the oh me, oh my. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, listen to what the text says. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofit unprofitable for what? For them? No. It says that will be unprofitable for you. It's God's word, not my word. So there's responsibility as, for us as believers to be submissive to one another in the fear of God. To recognize our position before God, our roles before God, and to function in them and not try to, to, to negate our responsibility or usurp our, our responsibility. Not to lord our, our, our roles being dictators or something like, no. 
that we function as, in those roles as God would have us function. And as we do these things, if we get this foundation right of being submissive to one another, you know, as God's word says it, it should form the righteous platform for all relationships. All relationships. What he's going to speak about next, you know, wives and husbands, children and parents, employers and employees. It should form the basis for that because it's like it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I recognize how, where God's got me. It's cool. And so... We need to consider these things, beloved. Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, you know, the parts which are easy to, to deliver and the parts which are quite difficult. And we pray, pray, Lord, that, you know, even within this, Lord, we can see the truth and the light which you're trying to communicate to us. Help us, Lord, to be able to hold on to these things and and to find practical ways of how to outwork them within, within our personal lives. As we submit to you first, Lord, recognizing you as King, as Lord, as Savior, but also recognizing that we have a responsibility to, to submit to our brothers and our sisters who are created by you, who are made in your image and your likeness, Lord. And how can we say that we love God and we hate our brother? It's just, it's just ridiculous. And we're not serving, to, serving our brother or our, or our sister. So help us in this endeavor, Lord, because um, we need you, Lord, and we need your empowerment to do it. So again, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, and that we will be changed into your image and your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen.